they try to like make yeah. it visible to like everybody that wants to see that oh we are like a country who actually did these things and we actually um won right so mm. you see like um monuments commemorating you know the okay. victories everywhere you know they have like a massive war museum you know uh, where they keep like the scraps of like the u.s weapons like outside and mm. you know there's very huge like um chambers upstairs where you can see like all of the atrocities of the uh of the us and things and you know they try to like say these things out loud you know mm. it, like the entire streets are like filled with, like you know hammer and sickle symbols etc like you enter like a shop you know the shop has like communist flags all of mm. all of those things so like for me as a nigerian we're like you know you you just telling somebody that oh you know we shouldn't remove subsidy they are starting to say that oh bro you are what you are you like the new soviet union or what you know where <laughs> those kind of things are like demonized it felt yeah. like very very good for me like bro like you know how you guys like just like normalized having like this thing like there's mm -hmm. no you don't you're not looking funny you know wearing like a hat and it has like the you know communist star sign you know all mm -hmm. of those things you know you, you could see all of those things there but the very huge contradiction was seeing all of those things and seeing how people revered all of those things, mm -hmm. right? How they took it like very, very serious. And also on the other side, seeing like elements of like, of course, like Western capital infiltration in that mm -hmm. particular society, right? So mm -hmm. it was, you know, and, and this is like a very big question that I feel like leftists around the world are still like seeking to like answer. Now, some yeah. feel like they've said it, but some are still like very skeptical about like the kind of answers they want to give. To those kind of like scenarios right so mm -hmm. like where do we resolve this very big issue of you know state capitalism state control you know yeah. uh infiltration of like western capital into like you know traditionally communist or socialist societies etc etc so yeah. all of those things were like creating like this kind of you know contradiction in my head about like yeah. you literally will you will be in front of like a mall that has like so many uh products you know all of this name them all of mm. these products like starbucks etc etc but like in the front of the mall is this more massive you know ho chi minh uh, billboard <laughs> you know <laughs> commemorating yeah. the guy and some very massive hammer and sickle insignia you know right beside it and you mm. know some very nice you know vietnamese writing that probably will mean chanting to the guy and you know <laughs> you know there's this very big reverence for like the state you know and like you know respect the state follow the state you know be loyal yeah. to this you know, be loyal to the party etc those kind of things today we're joined by Tafik Sharai, who's a nigerian yeah. leftist based in lagos although he wouldn't necessarily call himself a lagos boy but that can be debated later on um and who amongst other very uh, relevant qualifications, has made a recent sojourn of sorts to um, Vietnam, which will be the subject of discussion today, but um, I'm sure there will be other areas of mutual interest that emerge in the conversation. Tafik, uh, glad to have you on. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Uh, it's very good to be here, finally. We actually postponed this like twice, so I'm very glad to be here. Can't <laughs> <laughs> wait to share all of the experiences with you guys. No, it's good. It's good to have you. I mean, we're fans. So, listen, we have a couple of questions um, pertaining to the trip. But before we get to that, we thought we'd just get to know you a little bit. So, 
Um, would you like to introduce yourself a little more than the few lines I just read out and um, maybe talk a bit about, uh, you know, how you've somehow found yourself interested in or engaged in revolutionary and left politics as well? Oh, yes, definitely. This is a very interesting part of my life. So I like to, say, I like to talk about it all the time. So um, I I attended like an all boarding secondary school. Uh, my name is Tafik, by the way, Tafik Sharaya from Open State. Uh, I I work, uh, I run like a business and I also work. So right now I'm a student, I'm trying to like pursue like a degree. Uh, so I attended like a boarding school in Ijebu, the, uh, it's not Ijebu, it's on the outskirts of like Ijebu. So at my boarding school, we have like a reading session like every year, sorry, every every term. So after like the term when like exams are like concluded, like those very short days before your parents come to pick you, you know, before you go home, you have like an intense like reading session. So this is like me in just one, just two, right? So, and these are like so many books, like you can read any book. So all you just have to do is like read a book because you most likely will be asked about the book. So the book I read, the book I saw at that particular time was actually Communist Manifesto. But this mm -hmm. is the just two boy trying to like read Communist Manifesto. Of course, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, makes yeah. absolutely, it makes absolutely no sense. So but I tried reading the book and I tried making meaning out of the book at that particular time. But I'm not going to lie to you, it didn't make sense. And I didn't finish reading the book, but I would say that was like my first intro into trying to like study the world beyond, you know, what I was you know experienced to, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But going on, my school was like actually very, very, because uh, I'm actually Muslim and the school is like a Muslim school okay. and they were like very, very vocal about like the Israel-Palestinian issue, right? And they tried to like teach us. Right, because at that particular point in time, it was, there wasn't so many Nigerians who were actually talking about it. So mm. they tried to like teach us what was going on there, you know, because this is a boarding school where you have like, uh, you know, every Friday or so, we have like a session where we talk about like the news, like we talk about things going on in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So part of the things they were used to talk out to us about was like the ongoing conflict in, in, in Palestine, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, mm. you know, all of those things, right? But it was largely from like a Muslim perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't from like a more materialistic or a more colonialist, etc. perspective. So so they would they would they would tell us about like the Nakba, they would tell us about like the you know, the refugees, etc. Mm -hmm. etc. All of those things, right? So it was very interesting to hear. And mm -hmm. we would go to read about all of those things, and you know, it was we were beginning to like form some sort of like politics, right? You know, very, very staunch pro-Palestinian yeah. politics at that particular point in time. So... Kind of amazing, huh? For, for a secondary school. What do you uh, say? I said, no, that's kind of amazing now for... Like, oh, yeah, it's actually very amazing. Like, when, I talk, when crazy, I talk to my yeah. friends about it, like, that's what we did in my secondary school. They are like, wow, like, bro, they don't want to know where we were doing that in my own secondary school. So it was, kind of like <laughs> yeah. very, it, was, it was very, very interesting to actually take all of those, you know, knowledge at that time. But that yeah. one went so fast, and I graduated school, and... You know, I, I, because of that particular introduction, I also started like, you know, getting myself involved in like, you know, reading and all of these things. So I'm actually a very, very curious person. But the curiosity actually led me into 
you know, trying to like gain more knowledge with regards to how the world works, right? So mm. at that time, and in school that time, when we were doing like the news, it was more of like the principal of the school allowing us to watch like Al Jazeera. Like that was the channel that we used to watch. I can remember very, very well. So mm-hmm. all of us developed like a love for Al Jazeera at that time. So when we go back mm. home to like our houses, you know, we were like teening into Al Jazeera and try to like watch, right? Mm. So because it was like a very big thing, if they were talking about something and they asked like the crowd and you could like answer and you had like an idea of what they were talking about, right? Mm. So everybody wanted to like catch up, we wanted to like pre catch up. So when I got back home, it was me uh, just like watching Al Jazeera, etc. And Al Jazeera was like very, very big, talking about like all of these things, you know, talking about, you know, uh, they did like so many documentaries. So there was mm. this particular documentary that I saw on Al Jazeera. The name of the documentary was Secret of the Seven Sisters, right? Okay. The, doc- the documentary is literally about like oil and how mm. like mm-hmm. the petrodollar is about the petrodollar industry, you know, how oil works in the world generally. You know, they talk about like the Middle East, ex- and you can't talk about like oil without talking about like the Middle East ex- extensively. They talk about like the Middle East extensively, you know, talk about what's going on, how the US leverages its power, the hegemony of the US, etc. You know, they also come to like Africa, talk about like places like Gabon, like all of the oil producing con- countries in Gabon. And they talk about like the, the French uh, influence, you know, mm. about how like most of these resources are like exploited by like the French, etc. You know, talk about like Nigeria as well, you know, British, etc. So mm. when I started like picking all of these things around, I'm like, okay, there must be something around all of these things. Like you, these are these are supposed to be the good guys. Why is it that in every direction <laughs> that I kind of like, yeah, they are always like on the wrong side of things you get. So it was that, it was that, it was that inquisitive for me. So when I now got into like the uni, I actually studied English for my undergraduate degree. So when I studied English for my undergraduate degree, there were books that were like prescribed to us that I had to like read. Part of mm. those books was books written by uh, Ungugiwa Thiongo. I don't know if you guys know him. Um, yeah, he's a sure. Kenyan, he's a Kenyan writer. Well, he's also a Kenyan Marxist, the Kenyan Marxist writer. Um, mm. So the guy's like very, very big, you know, uh, literary icon on the continent right now. Uh, he's mm. quite old right now, but it was still like very, it wasn't that old then. It was, he's quite old right now. So I read a book, I read two of his books. Was that Decolonizing the Mind? Not, not Decolonizing, those are like fiction. Fiction, like, uh, like okay, okay, like okay. trial fiction, but this is literally oh. fiction that is like literally very, very revolutionary. So, yeah, I can't even, like the title of the book right now. I'm trying to, like, you know, I'm trying to like scan my head for the title of the book right now. So, I read mm-hmm. like these books, and like all of the dots started like connecting, right? Mm. All of the dots started connecting, and this was at the time that I was staunchly like very, very pro Obama, by the way, right? So, <laughs> This is like a guy, like a black guy that has been made president in a very racial society, you know. Oh, no, no, very... no, no. Re- relatable. Huh? Yeah, like very yeah. relatable story, you know. And again, yeah. there was this fanfare around like the entire Obama thing at that particular time, right? Yeah. So it was very, very big, right? It was very, very big. But like my idea started shifting. My idea started shifting and I started reading that book. I was like, okay, okay. Like I started reading all of these things. And when Obama's term actually finished and Donald Trump won, so if you go to like my Instagram, 
like I just leave it there so it looks like so that I can look at like my old self and just laugh. So and I like this expose about like Obama, right? So and I talk about like things he didn't do that he promised to do. So I was like, oh bro, you said you were going to you said you were going to resolve the Palestinian issue, you didn't. You said you were going to you know racial equality and things, you didn't. You said you were going to do this and that, you didn't. Like so many things you didn't do. You went to drop bombs on like uh, a hospital in Afghanistan. Why would you do that kind of thing? Like I was tagging him and saying all of this is <laughs> like <laughs> it was very, very, it was very, very like silly, you know. I was just like very, very pure in like my politics. Yeah, earnest. So, moving on from there, and I started like reading, right? And I started like reading, you know, started like reading uh Robin Krumer's works, you know, and I've got like this extensive you know, amount of like uh, drive from one of my friends that had like so many works. I started watching videos of like uh, this guy, this Burkina Faso guy. Um, and like to like develop like my Marxist leanings, right? So mm -hmm. I started like looking at everything from like, you know, very, very materialistic perspective, you know, started like being a lot more a lot more dialectics about like how to like analyze all of this thing. so mm. it's a very very long journey actually like this is i, I just like talked about like me from 2008 right to almost mm. like 2016 right so it was a very very long journey to like coming mm -hmm. to this particular point and say the only way for us to achieve anything is not by this with this guy you have to actually you know be very very uh dialectic in the, in the way we like analyze things right so mm. It's been like a very, very long journey for me yeah. coming to this particular particular point. Um yeah. and I've also had to like deal with like a lot of you know, a lot of uh, what do you what do you call it? A lot of uh, for myself internally, like internal internal um, what do you call it? When contradictions themselves. Yeah, contradictions, yeah, you get it. That's the word. Like internal contradictions with myself, right? So I'm like, okay if this is deep then where do i stand like you know, <laughs> you know like where do i, I fit in like th these are like things that are still like bother me to you today right like sure. i want to do certain things i'm like okay where do i stand like you know it's it's a very it's a very it's like it's like my own uh self uh, policing uh, mechanism honestly mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah that's mm -hmm. like the very rough story of how i started like developing leftist politics fair enough no it tends to be a long and windy journey um yes and also the obama experience of radicalization is one i'm sure a lot of younger millennials and below let's say might might share you know uh, this sort of dashed expectations oh, leading yeah. to looking for something yeah, a little everyone, um everyone fell for the beats that time exactly <laughs> exactly you know but then falling and then realizing maybe you, yeah. you need something a little stiffer than um than what they were being what they were serving at the time um so that's cool so then you know that kind of sets the context for the for you know this big sojourn of yours um you know but yeah just to get into it on a lighter note i guess the question would be what took you to vietnam you know was it was it straight politics or a bit of pleasure uh you know a mix of both and i mean what were your impressions from a kind of chopping life standpoint like is is vietnam a nice place to vacation <laughs> type thing to the extent that Pleasure was part of the trip. Uh, oh yeah, it, it, it's actually for all of these reasons. So let me just give you a backstory of how like I ended up in Vietnam. Right? So I have like this friend. Um, we are like very, very. We are we are always like, oh, see guys, let's like 
always plan like trips let's go somewhere let's go like see the world etc so you know and the thing is that if you are traveling as a nigerian and you have to like calculate very well because yeah, you're not traveling like you have like a british or american passport so mm. <laughs> there was this particular time i went to ghana and i met this also i met this uh Ghanaian leftist is uh, my mm. very good friend on twitter so we we're just hanging out for like three days in ghana so i went there for a wedding actually so mm. after like the wedding i just like linked up with him and i was like oh bro like i'm in your city let's 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 hang out i'll try i try to like do that anytime i'm in like a space and you know twitter is like a very big community for me like i literally know so many people from like so many parts of the world via mm. just twitter so if I'm going anywhere, I'm just like, okay, bro, I'm coming to your city, I'm coming to your country. Let's like yes. link up. And I try to like do it all the time, like meet other leftists in like other parts of the world. So um there was yeah, a cool. particular time I went to Kenya as well. So I met like some Kenyan uh, leftists and even like people who were like members of like the Kenyan Communist Party. Like I met them and we had like a very, you know, good chat. You know, we're just talking, just talking about like things general. Mm -hmm. So and I now told and I now told my guy that ah this is this is actually very very nice because Vietnam is definitely on my bucket list in Southeast Asia and mm -hmm. you know I want to visit like countries that have that kind of history right you know mm -hmm. I'm like wow so you're taking me to Uncle Who's country I'm like I don't have a choice I'm definitely following <laughs> Uncle Who's country so and he, he for him it was more of like the tourist side so it was like see bro like we'll, we'll visit this place we'll visit this place and I thought I said bro don't worry. Like me, we'll visit all of these places, but me, I also want to visit for this other reason, like to see some other things and to, you know, just feel good about like saying, oh, I've been to Uncle Who's country. Like I've been to Ho Chi Minh. Like I've been mm -hmm. to the country where they literally named the city after a guy, after winning, you know, a war. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, so th this is this is what's going to take us to. But before we went there, I was trying to like make my, like my findings about like possible things I could like, do there and things that i could like look out for right so yeah. those were like the things that actually informed like my trip right so because i like i tell the guys all the time like even like my friends on like communist communist leftist uh, marxist tweet i'm like see bro i feel like we should actually we should actually take it like as a duty if we can obviously if we can as a detail mm. like comics to like visit places where communism or like socialism has been implemented even mm -hmm. if they like failed or they like succeeded, like it's very, very good to like learn from your experience and try to like mm -hmm. see those places and, you know, let people know that there's not like, first try to like debunk most of like things that you see on like um, propaganda, social media, etc. you know, about like the people who live in these spaces. And just, I, I just feel like it, it, it's, it's like a very, very few good moments for anybody who claims to actually like this kind of politics to also mm. like want to associate himself with those kinds of like travels. So yeah. yeah, so that was it largely. It was it was okay. driven by like ideology and also like just the enthusiasm, honestly. Right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then speaking about the ideological aspect, what struck you as some of the socialistic components of Vietnamese society or I mean, I guess to frame it as maybe less leading, were there socialistic components still lingering in vietnamese society from your point of view 
So um, when I when I got to Vietnam, right? So I was of course when you go to somewhere and you are like very very keen on seeing certain things, so you can at yeah. least use them to please make a point. <laughs> so because myself and my friend, we had like this very long debate about like this thing, like literally because the flight mm-hmm. was like nine hours, right? So nine like this is like nine hours from like <laughs> Ethiopia. We went via like Ethiopian air, so. Okay. We were like in this very very long debate and i was like see bro he was asking me he asked me a question and he was like do i still think like all of these countries are still because he's not like leftist no but okay. it's like very very you know he asked me questions i think so okay open-minded like, yeah yeah and i was like see bro when you get to these countries when you get to these countries first how do you organize like their society is what's going to determine if you know they are still like on the line or they are partially on the line or they are not on the line anymore mm. that, right say and i'll say like you know how like a country that fought like a war against like multiple invaders because like vietnam happens to they fought the war against the french they fought the war against like the us right mm. and they also had like a time where they had like japanese occupation or chinese occupation one of both i think mm. it's japanese occupation so there was they have like this very long history against like fighting uh people who were trying to like colonize them at a particular point in time mm-hmm. and like like this is how we actually have to engage you know how they organize like their society so when we got there when we got to vietnam we actually because there's there's this thing about like people when they go when, when they're like touring like an area mm-hmm. they get like they get they get so comfortable in the city areas that and the city areas do not necessarily speak towards like a lot of things. Like the city mm. areas, city areas are literally built to be very touristy because sure. these countries, all of these businesses that are in the city areas rely on this tourism for them to actually make ends meet. So there are so many touristy things in the city, right? You know, all these yeah. cute cafe shops, all these very cute, you know, uh, malls. You know, things yeah. that definitely want to like make you want to come back, or you know, things yeah. that are like very appealing aesthetically. So but I is it like, like international like, brands like Zara and H&M? Or, you know, oh, yeah, classic definitely. Okay, Starbucks. Vietnam is a, a global hub for clothing. Like, okay. they, they do so much clothing there. So, it's you'll see all of those things, like, when you just go to, like, their malls and things. So, they'll right. see all of those things. But, like, okay, some, things okay. stood up, some things stood out for yeah. me. Some things stood out for me, right? So... I took like uh, because I visited both Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi. These are like mm-hmm. the two biggest cities. Like I was, I spent, I spent like a week in both, like a week in Ho Chi Minh, a week in Hanoi. Mm. So, but I went to Hanoi first. So I was in Hanoi. Then I took like a three-hour trip outside of Hanoi. I went to a place called Ninh Binh. So okay. uh, Ninh Binh is like more more of like a countryside. You know, it's, mm. it's more very rural. It has like all of these very nice hills very nice villages and stuff. So okay. what you see in all of these areas are like housing. So mm. this housing, they have like these massive banners that the, the what they wrote there is not in English, right? But mm-hmm. beside this banner is you have like the communist uh, Aman Siku symbol. Then mm-hmm. you have like the Vietnamese star flag, right? So nice. Behind yeah. like this very big banner is like massive housing, like massive housing, housing projects, mm-hmm. which is because of like the banner and the state symbols, you definitely know this is like, you know, social housing. 
and sure. it's like uh you know something built by like the state mm-hmm. you know you see you see you see like these things and you see like so many people because vietnam also has like very large population considering the kind of like area that they occupy mm-hmm. you see like so many people who actually occupy you know those spaces right and you see you know you see you see how they are like very very intentional about like not necessarily concentrating development in the cities the cities are also like pretty developed right very very developed like i feel like these guys are literally in the future right (laughs) so you see like very very conscious efforts actually like develop those areas it's the the inner areas where you know you necessarily wouldn't care about right so you go to those areas and you see what's thriving there so you just see like the obvious and then you get to some place there was this particular funny thing that happened right so our hotel our hotel was right in front of like a party secretariat so the party secretariat <laughs> like the party is the party secretariat for that particular for that particular i don't know maybe it's that particular area i don't know how they divide sure. like their own maybe it's local government or i don't yeah. know how they divide the authority right so okay. but like the hotel is right in front of it like they mm. see like i had to like take a picture of that banner they like translate that banner and it literally okay. translated into like party secretariat because okay. every evening you see like people wearing like khaki dresses and stuff in like mm. their large numbers you come there these are like people they, you, you you know that they are not like this is not like their full-time job right yeah they're actually coming from like different uh, human mm. endeavors just coming there in like the evening you know mm-hmm. sitting down just entering the space and having like a chit chat so on the final day that we're actually coming back home you know trying to like catch our flight yeah we're having a very very big party uh party meeting so so they, they now blocked off the main road they blocked mm-hmm. off the main road like policemen on the main road and mm-hmm. like they blocked like the two access into like the into like the road right okay. and they were having like this massive meeting right on the road right so many people like so many mm. people who were like party stalwarts, you know, all those things. Like it literally felt like a scene, you know, it, it, the equivalent of that <laughs> kind of scene was in Nigeria when like a politician comes and you want to like share money and you like like so many people, you know, coming mm. to like want to come and get like their own share, that kind of thing. Mm. So yeah. when I came out and like, oh, like because we ordered like a cab to take us to the mm. airport. So the cab guy was like, Oh, I can't enter your streets because they are doing like a party meeting there. So mm. you have to like walk outside of the street and come and meet me where I am, right? Mm-hmm. So so like everybody adhered to the fact that oh a party meeting is going on you cannot disrupt it right mm. <laughs> like you cannot disrupt it like nobody was even trying to like before they say i want to enter around that. <laughs> kind of yeah. nobody was trying to like do that kind of thing so right. that was something that i saw as well and again there was this sense of like there was this very huge sense of like camaraderie there right because mm. vietnam has of course the kind of history that they have with the wars and things and they try to like commemorate like they try to like make yeah. it visible to like everybody that wants to see that oh we are like a country who actually did these things and we actually um won right mm. so you see like um monuments commemorating you know the okay. victories everywhere you know they have like a massive war museum you know uh, where they keep like the scraps of like the u.s weapons like outside and mm. you know there's very huge like um chambers upstairs where you can see like all of the atrocities of the uh of the us and things and you know they try to like say these things out loud you know mm. it, like the entire streets are like filled with, like you know hammer and sickle symbols etc like you enter like a shop you know the shop has like communist flags 
all of all of those things. So, like for me as a Nigerian, we're like you know, you you just telling somebody that oh, you know, we shouldn't remove subsidy. They are starting to say that oh, bro, you are what you are you like the new Soviet Union or what you know? Where those kind of things are like demonized. It felt yeah. like very very good for me. Like bro, like you know how you guys like just like normalized having like this thing like there's no you don't you're not looking funny you know wearing like a hat and it has like the you know communist star sign you know all of those things you know you could see all of those things there but the very huge contradiction was seeing all of those things and seeing how people revered all of those things right how they took it like very very serious and also on the other side seeing like elements of like of course like western capital infiltration in that particular society right so was you know and and this is like a very big question that i feel like leftists around the world are still like seeking to like answer no some yeah. feel like they said it but some are still like very skeptical about like the kind of answers they want to give to those kind of like scenarios right so mm-hmm. like where do we resolve this very big issue of you know state capitalism state control you know yeah. uh infiltration of like western capital into like you know traditionally communist or socialist societies etc etc so yeah. all of those things were like creating like this kind of you know contradiction in my head about like yeah. you literally will you will be in front of like a mall that has like so many uh products you know all of this name them all of yeah. these products like starbucks etc etc but like in the front of the mall is this more massive you know ho chi minh uh, billboard you know <laughs> commemorating yeah. the guy and some very massive hammer and siku insignia you know right beside it and you mm. know some very nice you know vietnamese writing that probably will mean chanting to the guy and you know you know there's this very big reverence for like the state you know and like you know respect the state follow the state you know be loyal mm. to the you know, be loyal to the party etc those kind of things right so mm. they, they they are very big about like that particular side of their history right yeah. they, they, they take it like very very serious you know and it, it is it is very it was very very good to see how you know they were in trying to like be they were not they were not they were not i, I wouldn't say like trying to like hide hide it because i yeah. don't think anything is needed. but it, it was all in your face you could literally see it right yeah. that, that oh, like this is what we do here you know we're like a very socialist republic and this is how we we'll go about our things. So I was having like a conversation. Uh, just let me just finish with this lastly before we go like next 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 item. So I was having like a conversation with like a local Vietnamese guy, and I was asking him about like you know how does it run here? You know how does the politics thing go here, etc. So because when we were like entering the country, one of the things that they would tell you is that you shouldn't criticize like the country openly, you know, all this thing. So mm. you want to be very very careful who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I oh, know. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So no. I, was, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was having like a conversation with him. I was like, oh, like in in Africa, we don't have like all of these things. And it was like, oh. Right. Yeah, yeah, like very, very big, you know. And it was giving me, it was giving me like how like the things run, and how there are certain things you can't do, and mm-hmm. you know the kind of like social programs that they have, especially for like the young people, right? So saying, oh, they want to like revitalize like farming, so they take like people, you know, they say, oh, um, members of like the party, they want to do these things, that mm-hmm. you know, the, that they are, the, 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 the leadership thing is like very, very local. Like, so like mm-hmm. local entities could take like decisions 
right? And the central body didn't have to like even do anything about it. So mm. the extent to which they followed the communist leanings was entirely dependent on how much the local um, authority wanted to like implement it, right? So mm. if they were really, so if you were living in a, let's say a city, for example, where, you know, they were like ultra leftists, then bra, like you have to do it. But mm. the, the, the very, the very, the very, um particular thing about like these kinds of countries is the presence of like people who are also like very reactionary forces within the mm -hmm. ranks of like the party and this is something you can't take away so depending on where you are the kind of politics that is like played is what is represented in like the local polity of like the particular area mm -hmm. so that was why we saw so we saw more of like you know party leanings and people trying to like be a lot more camaraderie out in the more rural areas than even in the city because i felt like okay. the cities were like really really affected <laughs> everybody was okay. like you know, trying to like get the bag etc so yeah that right. was it. yeah interesting no we'll definitely come back to the question of geography urban rural thing that's very fascinating note um as is the you know yeah your narration of the kind of contradiction of the global um market and you know uh, like particular expression of communism which yeah you're right is a question that lots of us are grappling with so fascinating to get the um everyday and lived experience of the mall and the um what you mean uh poster that's fascinating um but you know you're talking about i'm bringing up the question of like how africans um go about social order and uh having a vietnamese person respond to that which leads me to wonder um, what the reception of Africa, you know, what, how you guys felt in terms of how you were received as Africans or people of color in, in Vietnam, which, you know, like is a question to do with travel, you know, it's like, is Vietnam the sort of place where you can go as an Nigerian African person and not feel too kind of um, too much like an outsider or too sort of gawked at um but it's also a question about ideology to some extent right that like um is there a sort of third world or um anti-imperial kind of global south solidarity thing that still lingers so we oh, have okay. time for some of the other conversations but yeah i just wonder what the vibe was like as a as an african oh yeah like the, the, this is something that i actually like to talk about as well the kind of like okay. session that we got where we got there because um Vietnam is not a place where you find like so many people of color, um, um, so many black black people, for example, sorry, like African people. Um, mm -hmm. Practically, didn't see any African. I saw black people. Um, okay. So like five black people. <laughs> oh, yeah, like I, saw, I, saw, I saw some. I saw some. I saw one like two Nigerians in Hanoi. Uh, yeah. I saw like two Nigerians yeah. in Hanoi. I'm, like very surprised. They, they would, have, but they would have to be Nigerians there, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, they were Nigerian, but, but the but the other okay. black people. So where do you reckon they're from? They were from the US, US and Canada. Ah, okay, okay, Americans. Okay. So, um, so when I got there, uh, we we I didn't really see so many black people. I saw like I saw like the first set of black people that I saw like two of them. So then when I went to like a tour of like some cave, and they were like there too, and we're like, oh brother, mm. like. <laughs> you've been looking for you've been looking for us right i'm like wow i've been looking for you too <laughs> so because it was yeah. we were three that went there like it was me like my brother 
and then that my friend. So it was just like the three of us, you know, three <laughs> three musketeers <laughs> just yeah. running <laughs> running around that kind of thing. So yeah. so this is not a place where you find like so so many black people, right? It's, uh, it's like very very far away from like Africa, obviously, and also like very far away from like every part of the world. So it's not like and it's not like a travel destination for so many black people. Um, mm. So that was the first uh, realization that we had to like come to terms with, and but the, the reception was not. They were very inquisitive people, inquisitive in the sense that when they see you, they obviously want to have like a very quick chat with you with regards to where you're from, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime we say, "Oh, we are from we are from Nigeria," oh, they say, "Oh, Nigeria," like I'm like, yeah, okay, you call it that, you call it that, you call it that. Yeah. like, oh. I'm from Nigeria. So most of them, um, it's, it's either two things. So you either get like a, uh, what do you call it? A reference to maybe like football or so, something, mm -hmm. or you get, you get like the question of, oh, we're, we're like, where is Nigeria? Where is Nigeria? Where is Nigeria? Okay. And they want to like make you like explain, you know, some more about like what's happening there and, you know, what's okay. going on there with regards to, just like how's life there? That's what we want to. That's what they want to know. Mm. But at the bottom of like their curiosity as well was, you know, they because they, we had like very funny experiences, right? <laughs> you know, this particular funny experience that we had, we, it was this place we went to eat like a restaurant. So we entered like the restaurant to eat, and we sat down, you know, getting comfortable and trying to like order our food and things. So when we were done ordering like the food, the owner of like the restaurant. The, the 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 man literally had to go bring like two of his kids and say, Oh, come and greet them. Like the black people are here, come and greet them. It was very fun experience. Like it was like, ah oh, wow, well, like this is a very big thing for us. And you know, come and greet them. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the black people are here, so come and greet them. Yeah. I'm like, it was very funny. And that was not like, like the only time. There was this particular club we went to um, in yeah. Ho Chi Minh. Um, so, like, the club literally wanted to like get us to like do interviews. They wanted to, they were taking interviews. Yeah, like, we did like interview. Like, and yeah. when I came back, and this was the club we went to the night before we came back to Nigeria. So, when we came back to Nigeria, my friend just sent me like Instagram and these guys already like posted us on their Instagram. I'm like, oh, we have, sure. we have, we have, we have yeah. made your diversity quota for the year. Don't worry. Nigeria. <laughs> right. Okay. So we might be talking to one of the most famous Nigerians in uh, Vietnam right in now. In Vietnam right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, very, very so besides that, you know, these guys were, there was a particular, the guy I was talking to that I was really talking you know, politics too, because what yeah. I noticed is that I, I don't think Vietnamese people would readily ask you anything about like politics, except maybe you bring it up. Okay. And uh, yeah, because first there's a very, very huge language. Barrier. They don't speak that much English. So yeah, sure. Sure. if you want to have a conversation with anybody, they at least must know like some English or you want to go through the odious, you know, uh, yeah. route of translating and you know using your phone google translate and things so and that's mm. like a longer so most of them they really won't ask you they will ask you like some other things you know quick things yeah. because that's like a full-blown conversation they most likely will ask you but of course if you talk to them they want to like so the guy i was talking to with regards to politics and things he was like very keen on knowing like what was going on in the african continent and he was like see like he, 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 the first question he asked me was oh 
like i see that you guys produce so much oil so mm. how come you guys don't have like all of these things you know you could you don't have this you don't have that so i was trying yeah. to like, explain to the guy like uh like that's like layers and layers and layers of like so many problems that i can't even exhaust like the explanation right now mm. and i was like oh that they hear like so many things here and because they're they not like an oil producing country so sure. you know there are certain things that you hear as a nigerian that you feel like wow this is bad news but for them it's like very good news right so for a nigerian for example if you hear like oil prices are like going down you know oh mm. like we're not earning so much but for mm. vietnamese if they hear like oil prices are like going down it most likely means they'll be buying fuel for like lesser prices because they, they don't produce any oil so they're literally mm. praying for like the prices to like go down <laughs> that kind of thing mm. so mm. like oh like he hears like he hears like you know all of those things you know he, he reads like the opec thing and he sees like how we're not doing very very well how like there's so many things you know he, he knew about like the election that we had and he, he was thinking he was asking me about like the you know uh, ideological standpoint of like a new leader like that's like you know <laughs> like, bro like just you don't just forget that guy don't go there man <laughs> i was like oh nah, like nah, nah don't go there like i, I don't yeah. told him that i asked him like you have like so many leaders right and uh, you might know even some of them that but we don't have like those kind of people that you're asking me about like those kind of people that you want to be happy to like hear about i don't think we have them right because the thing about vietnam is as much as they are like also like a very socialist country they are also like in very huge competition with like china right? mm. because china is right on their border right so they compete for like so many things so they also compete for like fdi right so they are trying yeah. to like compete for who gets the most money from like western capitalists who are willing to like spend so because this is a country that is just one hour away from <coughs> Singapore, which is a very fake country that is like an outpost of the west so also very close to like countries like south korea and you know taiwan hong kong all of these places where like western countries use as like their own outposts for like investment right so mm-hmm. They are trying to like do all of these things, trying to like get like all of this money. And he was talking about, he was talking to me about like the current government plan, which is like a five city plan. So they mm-hmm. see that there's not so much um, development going on outside of Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh. So the government now instituted like a 10 year or 20 year plan to also bring in three other cities into, you know, that kind of like development. So because in in Southeast Asia, Vietnam is still like the is still like the underdog somewhat. Mm. Um, yeah, of course they have like their own categorization of who is like the big guns and stuff. Because when I met like a couple of like Hong Kongers and they were like, "Oh, this is the trenches." <laughs> right right like yeah, me i was getting yeah. excited about like i was like wow you guys are living in the future here look at how neat look at how fine everything is and i was talking to these hong kong guys and singaporean guys because like on my flight to um vietnam it was i went so i went with like ethiopian air but ethiopian air doesn't fly to hanoi so what they would do is that they would drop you in singapore then you join like a connecting flight from Singapore on Singaporean airline to Hanoi. So I met like a couple of Singaporean guys and I was like speaking to this guy and I was like, oh, like, you know, this is the trenches. That was the summary of the entire thing that he was talking about. Because obviously for somebody living in Singapore, <laughs> Vietnam looks like, oh, I'm moving back. So it was it was okay. that kind of it was so they had like this plan and it was not asking me if we have like something like that here and i was like mm. oh 
Nah, nah, we don't. Like no. we're just running. We're just running with fives here. Yeah. And you know, you know, it was not like here that if government doesn't look at something, it is they won't look at it. But if they look at something and they want to actually achieve something, that they would achieve it like diligently. So, and it was like this is this is how they actually run things. Mm. If something is not in the plan, if, they, if if there is a plan, let's say we have like a twenty-year plan, and you're not lucky enough to be part of that particular plan. You might find it very, very hard to like actually make your voices heard, mm. right? But if you are in that plan, you are in for a good time. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, mm. It was, it was, it was very, very, and it was very, and the way he talked about it was, you, you, the way he talked about it was, because like there are certain areas of like Vietnamese society where there is still like lack of development, and they are still trying to like struggle with like things. Mm. But you get to like certain areas and you know that okay, you guys are literally the ones wow. enjoying like government planning. Mm. You get so yeah. because they are very, very they are very, very, you know, particular about like how they do how they plan. And he was talking he was talking about how meticulous this planning is, right? Mm. Where they want to situate like industrial areas, where they want to do this. And Vietnamese is like very, very industrial, industrial, like you have like very large industrial base. You know, because yeah. of like proximity to China, etc., and you know, very close competition with China, so they have like niche industries where they're actually leading. You know, things mm. like textile. You have like they're also into like cheap microchip production now and things. So yeah. it's very, very good. It's very, very good there. Which that's like industrialization, right? That's I was asking, yeah. Yeah, I was asking yeah. what kind of strides that we were making here. I said, oh no, like we don't do any of that here. That uh, he was and the very big thing about like this thing, he was not asking about like the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative, and how okay. Nigerians see it, right? How we like seeing it. He wasn't even asking about like Nigeria, how we see it on like the African continent. Mm. And I was not like, oh, the reactions are like very, very mixed. Mm. Um, you know, to a very large extent, we see like what they are doing, but also there's like a very huge skepticism about like mm. what they are doing. You know, particularly because of infiltration of like propaganda from like the West, trying to like argue to us that this thing is like the new form of like colonialism. And I talked to him about how like you know in in, in here people will reveal like this kind of like news, so it's very very difficult to like convince them. So yeah. my interaction with like the few ones that I could literally talk to with like my black experience and like African and Nigerian experience, it was more of them trying because they don't know so much about here. I'm not going to lie, yeah. Yeah. they don't know so much. They don't know so much at all. Like there's a very huge information gap very very right. huge information gap they don't know so much about like this area they are a lot more obsessed with like their own geopolitical area you know what's going sure. on in the southeast asia you know what's going on with like us and like china what's going sure. on with, like japan etc everybody hates yeah, japan yeah. so there's a very huge <laughs> interesting we hate, we hate this guy <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so that's wow. it Okay. No, but yeah, it's not so, it's not like Nigeria, it's not very much about Vietnam, so maybe that's fair. But um yeah, no, it sounds like at least they were open and the reception was you know, people weren't put off as such, but um maybe curious more than anything. Yeah, very um, curious. I'm, very gonna, curious. I'm gonna hand you off to OEG who will do a speed round. Um, <laughs> questions. So yeah, you know, if you could, you know, try to make it snappy, because I know you also have to run, but um very interesting responses so far. Uh, yeah. Take it away. yeah, yeah. Um, it's been nice listening to you know experiences, all that you know, and in fact, you've touched on a part of the question that I'm going to ask now because 
you, again, you mentioned about countries bordering um, Vietnam, Hong Kong, China, all these places, um, and also you know the markings of Western infiltration and capital. You know, and in this uh, global world or this globalization scheme and um, the context of neoliberalism generally, you know, you mentioned Starbucks, McDonald's, all that, you know. Um, how would you rate, you know, Vietnam's approach in dealing with these kind of things? Or are they trying to, are they fully open to it? Are they screening it out? Are they picking the good things and trashing the ones that might be counterproductive to their society? You know, and, you know, the entire socialist project of the country, anyway, like, to combat neoliberalism, what what level would you put it at, you know, from the things that you've seen? Yeah, so, um, just like I said earlier, um, from, I feel like, uh, to, to be very, very conclusive, after, like, a two-week visit would be very wrong. <clears> so, <throat> I just want to, you know, I would just, like, talk about, like, the things that I saw and try to, like, draw, like, my conclusions from the things that I saw. So, I feel like the, the strategy, the strategy in Vietnam is based on the fact that you know there's this you know there's this very big question. I was asking this, I was asking this big question to one of the guys that I was talking to, and it was like, oh, um, it was like for you to survive, especially in a world where you know there is so many reactionary figures trying to like upset things, because Vietnam has like. They, they, they still have like people who want to go back to the days of the old you know they have like their own share of like reactionary folks mostly you know guys that live in <laughs> guys that live in the in the in the west you know trying to like upset things back home <laughs> so so if you want to like survive there you have to like play ball you have to like play like so much politics geopolitics right so there is something that happens there and they were like willing to actually talk about was how the West tries to like pitch China and Vietnam against each other and you know tries to like make them uh, sort of like competitors, right? Mm. So and it's a very big thing there. <laughs> it's a very big thing there. So mm. what I saw with regards to because not denying the fact there were so many elements of infiltration of like infiltration of like um Western you know, Western capital, you know, you, you found like the companies, you found like the, there was this particular place I went to, um, was like an industrial zone and mm. there was, there was, there was Benz there, there was uh, Intel, there was uh, H HP, uh, there was, uh, you know, these are like companies that put like their plants, you know, making something in like their own production chain right there in Vietnam, right? Mm. So they were there. So but what I think was very, very crucial was how much they tried to like cement state authority. So state authority is ultimate, right? Mm. In, the sense, in the sense that there was obviously very, very huge state control of like all of these things and how they actually run, right? Something very similar to how like, you know, China tries to like run as well, you know, with a very, mm. very big state control of like the narrative, how like the economics run and how like investments are made, etc. Right. Because you could see, you could see the obvious like state presence, you know, in the kinds of like in, in the kinds of like uh what do you call it? The kind of like narratives you wanted they wanted to like portray out to like the wider public, right? You know, when you go mm -hmm. to like certain areas, it's just 
you know, very huge reference for what they were doing and how they were going to like do it, etc. So that was something that was that really, really stood out. But obviously, it still lies in the face of like the contradiction that we were talking about earlier about how like these so-called um, socialist states are trying to like juxtapose um you know aspects of like capitalism while trying to maintain you know those sort of like socialist leanings you know to a very large extent right so it, it still falls on that, that particular that particular um category but okay. there was also there was also something that there was also something that that stood out just like i said when you go more into like the rural areas you found less of like the very huge you know capitalist uh, imagery right it was more of you entering spaces where you could see obvious government effort which is in terms of like kind of like housing you know social development etc right you could see like the obvious effort into trying to like revitalize those aspects of like the country so and they weren't doing it you know it wasn't they weren't doing it they were literally they were doing it in a way that they wanted people to know that this is the government doing this thing because like yeah. I, I explained earlier you yeah. see like huge banners of like states you know <laughs> then just right by the side like a very huge hammer and sickle banner in front of like a very large housing complex right so th those kind of like imagery obviously it's a reminder to people who occupy those kind of spaces that the state is still the ultimate you know <laughs> power here right yeah. we're the ones still calling the shots here and you know will do as much as possible to protect your interest even though we also have to like allow some form of like reactionary forces to come and make money in our own society so th those were like the things that i saw right those were the things that i saw and it was not like a very very big question for me with regards to uh like because i was telling my, my friend was not like okay now that we have come to my friend this is my friend that i said said we should go to vietnam the guy was like, okay, now that we have come to Vietnam and we have seen how people juxtapose like all of these ideas, I think our next trip should be like Cuba. So we can see a country mm, yeah. that, is under, that is under embargo and that is under sanctions mm. and doesn't have access to all of this infiltration of like Western capital and see how they like, you know, organize like their own society. Yeah. I, like, I was not like, okay, that would be like a very, very good comparison for us to make. Let's plan towards that, right? So... So I feel like that was that was a very huge thing. So maybe those contradictions will be solved if you finally visit mm. Havana, <laughs> or yeah. we'll see like another aspect of how like the socialist project is being implemented there. Mm. We're yet to see that. So yeah, that was yeah. that was some of the things that I saw. Mm. Personally, I feel that you know um, the capitalist world doesn't own development, you know, and human advancement. So how we want to take the development or the advancement or how we want to make it work for the people will definitely be different from place to place, you know. So we're not going to bow and say they are the you know they are the ones that yeah, they are the umpires of development. No, 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 You know, we'll take human advancement, we'll take technology and use it the way we want to use it, uh, you know, for the interest of the people. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know. So uh I'm sure that going there for like two weeks might not have exposed you to the length and breadth of the country because that's like a short period of time you know getting to know things and you know the finer details and all that you know and again you mentioned yeah. that that's like a five-year development project all that you know and I i'm wondering that from the feeling or what sense do you get from the inhabitants of the country or people from the country in terms of 
you know, countryside and, um, you know, the urban areas, you know, is there like a hope for the, for the feel of the government or for the hand of the government to touch them? And, you know, if there's any stark, you know, contrast between the urban side and, um, you know, countryside in terms of access to social services, like healthcare, let's say things like healthcare, let's, you know, if we're not going to have skyscrapers, all that in the countryside, do they have the basic things like transport, healthcare, you know, and, you know, um, schools, all that, you know? Oh, um, yeah, that was, that was also something that I really noticed as well, because this particular place that I, I went to, like, three places outside of, like, Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi. So I went to a place called um, Along Bay. I went to, this is like, this is like a UNESCO um, World Heritage uh, site. So I was really keen on yeah. visiting the, that, that place. Um, I went to Ningbin. Ningbin is, uh, Ningbin used, actually used to be like the old capital of Vietnam, but like this is like centuries, centuries ago. So they have like this very massive history, but now it's more of like a rural countryside. Um, then I went to like a place also, I can't remember the name right now. It's also on the outskirts of like Ho Chi Minh. So what stood out in these places was first, um, these places had like massive amount of like, uh, you know, farming population because you would see like, you would see like rice fields, like just experts of like rice fields up until where your eyes could reach. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, but there was something that was very, very clear social services where you know the roads leading to those places the kind of like healthcare facilities that you see in those places and the kind of like life generally that you see in those places it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't because there's there's this there's this thing that comes with like um neoliberal development it tends to like abandon areas where there is no like um there, where there is no excessive money to like extract for cover yeah exactly so yeah. if there is no incentive for us to make money off you then you will not be caught up in our own development that's what that's the capitalist sense of things so it has to take obvious you know extra efforts of people in power to say oh even if we're going to like concentrate on building the skyscrapers and the big cities we definitely have to like check you know we, we have to check our flanks but what i saw just like i said earlier was there's still this very huge government acceptance in like the rural areas and this government acceptance is maintained by all of these social services that the government does in those areas things like those kinds of mm. housing projects that are actually talked about in the rural areas i know that's how like the government buys like soft power and influence in those areas that's why you know even if like people in the city are becoming a lot more bourgeoisie and they are getting exposed to like you know the big trends and things the government definitely knows that people in like the rural areas are still like soldiers in this particular fight because they are the ones who are actually seeing like the direct benefits of what it means to actually enjoy governmental benefits so they are seeing like things like subsidized or free housing right so this is like direct benefits right so mm. these are a lot more different to things you experience in the city which is more of like oh what is the benefit of me being here they'll tell you oh it's the vibe right like you know the fact that you're here that's the benefit no <laughs> i want to see like actual material benefits you know what does what does it mean for me to be here do i get like social housing do i get to like get subsidized food you know all of those things right so it's not like when they say oh um you know it's not like the nigerian thing where they say oh what's the benefit 
or the benefits is trickle down. It's going to trickle down, right? <laughs> you know, when they see all those absurd, very you know tokenistic things, they say, oh, the, the benefit of this policy is the trickle down effect. So trickle down literally means I have to wait for the guys at the top to be very, very you know benevolent and say, oh, let's share to the top, right? No, no, that's not it. I want to see like actual benefits. Am I getting this? Am I getting that? So I feel like that's one area that they have maintained in the in the countryside, but also in the city side as well. With what I saw, with where my hotel was located, my hotel is located right in front of like a party sectoria, and I saw mm. how much people were still like very very involved in like the local politics, right? Yeah. And, I, and I was like very very happy to, because this was literally on the day I was leaving for the airport, so I could literally have missed that experience, and I wouldn't be relaying it to you guys now. But I was very very happy to like experience it. I was like, okay. Okay, okay, because every time I was always looking at that party sector that when are you guys going to come for the part for the actual meeting? I'm waiting. But they never came. It was just like a few bunch of like people just go in, go out, you know. But that day looked like, you know, a day that they had selected to like maybe carry out certain things or talk about certain things, talk about certain things at like the party level within the community. So there was like massive amount of like people. You know, from like all walks of life, literally, like because people were like coming from like cars, people were driving on their scooters, people were just like coming, you know, everybody just coming and having like massive, and they were doing it on the road, like right on the road. I'm curious about that that issue actually. So, one interesting all walks of life, but how about generations? Like, were there younger people there as well? Oh yeah, they were. They were. They were actually younger people. They were actually younger people. Were actually very very younger people. I saw very young people in their midst. Right. right. So of course I saw like the old, you know, the the, the, the old guys, you know, they they have this sure. in Vietnam where you see like you see like some guys who are always wearing like khaki pants. They always yeah. wear khaki pants and they wear like the cap. The cap has like the star sign. So I asked someone like, why do they wear this thing? He said, Oh, the person is most likely like a veteran of the war. Yeah. And, sure. yeah. yeah, he said the person is most likely the veteran of or, or maybe they just like like that dressing and they want to like align with, you know, they also want to feel parts and they want to like you know, because yeah. they say oh, most people who are like veterans of war are getting older now, so you might not necessarily see them, but they're like still yeah. certain some of them who, you know, they hold on to that particular history and they're very because Vietnamese are actually really, really proud of that particular thing that oh, we beat the French, we beat the US. Like <laughs> it's very, very big for them. So yeah, sure. okay. So I saw like so many of that there, like you know, very huge. And also I saw women, you no, know, right? I saw like women, like Vietnamese women as well. You know, they were also part of like the proceedings that day. And I was like, ah, man, if, if it's not that I have a flight, I'm going go, I will literally enter this meeting and go and ask them what's going on, right? <laughs> well, I had to, like, yeah. catch a flight, so I had to, like, leave there, right? So I, I saw that, too, in the city. This is literally in Ho Chi Minh. So I saw that in the city as well. So it, to, to a very large extent, there was still those kinds of, like, preservations, right? So in a world where, you know, maybe things are about to, like, change and, you know, it's about to, like, go better for, like, you know, comrades. I feel like they'll be, like, in a very, very good position to maintain, like, their own power structures and yeah. just work with it like that, right? They won't have a problem with, oh, this is a very new idea that we're trying to, like, introduce to the people. No, it's not a very new idea. Everybody knows what's going on, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. That, that's great. Um, uh, We have to kind of draw back and look at um imperialist legacies you know of course with the material we can have uh, um impacts that might be long lasting on the mental and vice versa you know that back and forth thing you know and the war the partition of the country 
and all that, you know, to north and south during that time. Of course, the the imperialists had their own side and the revolutionary communists had their own side, which was to the north and all, you know. So with this uh, visit that you went to, of course, the country unified Vietnam now after Dien Bien Phu, everything, you know, can, do you kind of sense any form of mentality change or difference between people from the north or the south of that time or during your interaction with people do they still make any distinctions between these people like between north and south or the unified nation has prevailed over that partition? Oh, i think the unified, the unified nation literally prevailed over because i visited the war remnant uh, museum and yeah. the place has like very interesting history so <laughs> When you move in, uh, there's this. Uh, there was this. There was you. you the thing is, the thing about places, you talk to a tour guide who definitely is telling you things that have that is scripted. So um, of course, the tour guide will tell you things that make you, you know, this is scripted stuff. So I don't expect you tell me like things from your heart. But mm. at the same time, you talk to like ordinary people, and you know, and you're like, oh, and the first example is that oh, we're actually very very happy to like be united right now. So I, I visited um, Ho Chi Minh's. Um, so the War Remnant Museum is in Ho Chi Minh, but Ho Chi Minh's mausoleum is in Hanoi. So both are like like museums, and you know they literally say most likely have like the same kind of like vibe. So I visited like mm. the Ho Chi Minh mausoleum first because I was in Hanoi first. So I was not talking to people. I was like, oh, like this guy, um, he fought the war and he 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 like brought like the country together and you know very very nice stuff etc so there right there i was this was me talking to like other tourists people that also came to actually see the mausoleum this is like an american guy like an indian guy and a guy that was indian but he was born and he grew up in tokyo so oh the guy was not like the guy was not like oh this is very very nice um and this is the guy that was born in japan and he's born or he's indian so the guy was not like oh that if not for like Ho Chi Minh or if not for like the Vietnamese people, this will most likely be like another story of like South Korea and North Korea. And obviously we like very, very bad, right? Because it was just like divide like two people and they won't be able to like find like a common ground all of these years, just like we have now in, you know, North Korea and occupied, uh, <laughs> occupied Korea. So when I got to Ho Chi Minh as well and got to like a war remnant museum, the tour guide also said like the same thing. I was like, they're very, very glad that you know the country is one now and they don't have like a Korean problem. That was, that's why I called it. We don't have like mm. a Korean problem, right? We don't have like a Korean a Korean problem. And I was like, okay, so you guys use like the Korean thing to like make yourself feel good <laughs> on all sides. I was like, okay, this is nice. This is nice, but <laughs> but can you guys can you guys not make it so obvious that you guys literally say, oh, we don't have like the Korean thing here. Don't bring that, don't bring that stuff near us, that kind of thing. So there wasn't so much distinction, you know, of the north and the south, because Ho Chi Minh is literally in the south and Hanoi is in the north, and I was in both places. So there wasn't so much difference, you know, in the reception, the kind of people, the kind of ideas, you know, the kind of things. You, you, you enter like a store and all you have is just like a representation of the war, you know, the triumph of like the Vietnamese people are not necessarily like a section of like the Vietnamese people, etc. So 
you can see like the obvious efforts that they have made in terms of like reunification of like the country and it was very obvious because there wasn't any kind of like i didn't see anything that was representative of the sectional aspects of like the country i don't even think that kind of thing exists in there anymore but people would tell you yeah there are certain things that actually make them a lot different right so because in ho chi minh for example uh sorry in hanoi for example there is still like a very huge like remnant of like french legacy there which is not very very present in ho chi minh that's something that i saw and i asked someone the guy that drove me to ningbin and i asked him and he was like oh that that he, the guy was like oh the reason why most of the french influence that you see in hanoi is there is literally just like appeal to like western gaze is because mm. hanoi is like, very very touristy and this is what tourists want to see when they come and that's why they still keep them there that even the people don't really like they don't care <laughs> they don't care <laughs> they don't care about like those things i'm like oh really okay so this is the cash cow yeah, let, let us have it <laughs> let it let it go then <laughs> so because like hanoi has like these old quarters you know the old quarters is you know where you have like very high very big french influence but like the places are also like very touristy and like you see like people go there just to like see the place and you know it's just it's just generally very very nice very very nice but i didn't see like those kind of things when i went back to ho chi minh uh, i feel like ho chi minh had like more revolutionary intent um maybe because of like the name of the city because everywhere you went to it was like ho chi minh everywhere and there was like so many reverence to like the guy and you know you, they, everybody loved the hotel kuhu there so it was, it was there wasn't so much of like there wasn't difference like i couldn't say that oh I'm in the north so they are behaving like the north no i didn't like the entire time i was like really really looking out for it like i was very keen on seeing what would like differentiate these guys now but maybe also because i experienced hanoi first before i went to ho chi minh where they didn't really do so much maybe if i experienced maybe ho chi minh first then go to hanoi maybe i could have cited like certain differences right but there wasn't so much there wasn't that i didn't really see so much at all like there mm. was very very huge there was very very huge um effort towards like you know reunification and the war had you know the, the, the war also you know let's not forget like the war had ended a very very long time right so yeah. but i'm not saying that is why you know even if you ended like nigeria civil war also ended so many years ago but we still deal with like so much tribalism and things right yeah so that's just to tell you that obvious. of course is as a result of like so much uh so much effort that has been put into trying to like bring like everybody 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 together yeah mm, that's that's great you know um i will hand you over to the third musketeer they make out to <laughs> okay. you know ask for pity so all right um, i'm sorry i uh i wasn't here at the start but i've been, been listening to your narrate narration of, of your surgeon uh yeah. in, in vietnam uh, and i guess that where i'd love to start is, is just to seek some sort of clarification because I, I hear you use Ho Chi Minh and um, Hanoi um, and I'm, I'm a bit old school so I, I think about Vietnam in terms of Hanoi and Saigon I don't know oh yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so, so is, Ho Chi, is, is Ho Chi Minh Saigon yeah Ho Chi Minh is Saigon <laughs> all right okay and then yeah, for the Ho benefit of our listeners which of them is north and which of them is uh, which of them is south which which was yeah. occupied and which you know yeah hanoi 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 is the north so hanoi. Uh, saigon saigon is the south 
Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, and then to my, my second... America is trying to make this more boomer and Gen X inclusive. Saving them, <laughs> them, like, yeah. saving, saving them that Google trip. Nice yeah. And, okay. And, and so from listening to you, I'm, I'm, and this is by way of clarif clarification as well, I get the sense that we're talking about a one-party state, right? Or, yes. Yeah. I, oh, okay. Uh, I guess that naturally leads me to you know the, the crux of my question. What does this mean for human rights uh you know, uh, i mean let me let me take it let me let me rephrase um given what you saw in terms of on on the whole you know economic development in in, in vietnam you know both north and south you know as, as a unified or a reunified country would you say that whatever development that you saw or that's beginning to happen now has come at the expense or in spite of, of, of um, you know, uh, the abuse of fundamental human rights. And I'm thinking about China here, you know, in terms of how they developed, you know, over, over the years um, since they opened up and essentially because, you know, it's, it's also a one-party state. What would you say, you know, in terms of human rights abuse? Is there a trade-off anywhere? Can I, can I quickly jump in and add maybe a component to that, which is um, maybe abuse is a, a, you know, you can obviously talk about abuse if that's something you experience or such, but even, even the kind of everyday vibe of like free speech, do you feel like people could freely criticize the system and like engage with any aspect of their society critically? Or did you feel like people maybe wanted to shy away you know or didn't find that a comfortable topic obviously language barrier also um being a factor here but yeah i mean so you can talk about the whole spectrum of that from the question of abuse even to just everyday vibe of like whether there was a bit of repression a kind of repressive atmosphere or um whether it felt a little more open oh um yeah so a, a couple of things that i a couple of things that I noticed, especially when I got there, <clears throat> and I was like talking to some guys that like I quickly made some friends there, and they were like, "Oh, that you know, don't as it as somebody who just came around, like don't publicly, don't publicly like be criticizing like the Vietnamese government or like say like sensitive things about like the Vietnamese society in public, mm -hmm. right?" So. And I'm like, okay, so what does that constitute? You know, what aspects does that constitute? I was asking the person that what aspect does that constitute that am I can I like criticize that my uh my road, the road leading to my hotel is bad, or do I like criticize like the fact that this is the socialist country generally and this is bad? You know, what what is the extent of <laughs> what is the extent of criticism that is admissible and the mm. one that is all oh, nah, We've drawn the line here. You can't, you can't, you can't pass this, uh, this mark, right? So, and he, he was like, he, he was telling me, he was like, oh, that the people here, that first, because of like, and this is something I feel like this is something that is like very, very peculiar to countries who have had to um, fight like some sort of like war for their own independence and freedom, etc. So, and they have like a one-party state. Of course, the party state tries as much as possible 
to leverage that particular history as a way of trying to like cement power, right? So they use that particular history, especially when they are the ones who actually like fought the war and they won the war. And now they are like the rulers. They are the leaders of like that particular society. They always want to like leverage those things. So the question is now, are they leveraging it for good or they're just leveraging it for their own like personal benefits, right? So you, because if you look like, and this is something like very, very peculiar to those kind of like states. And this is not just like even states that are like socialist and things in like Southeast Asia. So because you could find like the same thing as well in places like let's say Singapore, um, the same thing as well in like Thailand, right? In, you know, the same thing with, you know, most of like the other countries within that particular region who kind of like have like you know similar um similar history you know you have like this one person who's like the big savior of like the country and they try to like use that particular narrative to cement power as much as possible but what i experienced in vietnam with regards to with regards to like the human rights thing within that particular within that particular short time was mm. what is just like i said earlier of course vietnamese people won't just like start talking to you with, politics right and this was like something very very different that i saw with when i went to like some other countries because when i went to like kenya if you enter like any cab maybe because we both spoke english and we we're both african so they were like quickly <laughs> it's like jump into what's wrong with like our leaders you know everybody on the continent is messing up you know you know they're trying to like share like their own experiences and wanting you to like share your own too so we can bond over like the common problems that we have right so, but it wasn't the same over there um, because of the obvious language uh, barrier. They, they most likely won't speak to you. And you also, because of the fact that you already know in your mind, oh, can, there's a level of, there's an extent to criticism that I can make. You're not speaking to everybody, right? You're just speaking to like select people. So the entire time, I felt like I spoke, I spoke about like politics, like three or four people. Right, the entire time. And I had like more interaction with like people. Like I saw people in like bars, in like cafes, in like restaurants, you know, I even went to like a school there where like some some Stanford guy that I met, he was doing like a program there. So I'm, I went there as well. So, but we weren't having like so much of the, that kind of like conversation, right? So what I would say is I, I don't really have like extensive um, examples of maybe how they have employed, weaponized those aspects, you know, human rights, etc. But with justly with just the um few occurrences of with the few examples that i have of course everybody was trying to like maintain some sort of like decorum right and nobody wanted to like move beyond you know mm. what was accepted uh, acceptable right so and there's this thing about like southeast asians generally they are very very cautious people and they're very very respectful people and you know the it's like a very cultural thing for them you know they are they are not the ones they're not they're, they're not like very lousy and they're not like very very outward there trying to like oh we want to do our like we're very crazy about like now nah. there's there's this particular very big respect for like process right and authority right but i don't think but there's something that stood out i don't think vietnam is like a police state um, because you weren't mm. seeing like, security apparatus like right in your face, like nah, you won't you won't see that kind of thing. You won't see that kind of thing. Like mm. barely had like encounters with like police or like any security outfit. Nah, nah, never. Like 
like barely, maybe outside of like the airport, which is very obvious. You see, like security at the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, barely. They don't even. They don't have the concept of police checkpoints. They don't. They don't even. Know. I was going. I was going. I was going to pop that question. So you know, they don't. They don't have. They don't have. Nah, they don't have the concept of police checkpoints. Like it doesn't exist in their own society. That oh, like police are on the road and they are stopping people checking. Nah, they don't. <laughs> so. But what you will see many times will just be like in strategic areas, like maybe you go to like a public building. Because I actually visited a couple of public public facilities, like the museum. I went to these uh, big um, post office, uh, you know, to certain areas you will see, you know. And again, you will see like, you see like a bunch of like police stations, you know, but there's nothing right in your face that, oh, this is us, you know, we are like the, <laughs> the upholders of like the law until now. They don't, they don't have that. They don't have no sirens, no, 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 no sirens, like, no, no sirens, no police patrols, <laughs> none of that. No, no, I didn't see any of that. Oh. I tried to like travel, but like I tried to like move from because Vietnam is like this long stretch, you know, it's not very big of a country in terms of like width, but it's like very, very long. So I tried to like move from like end to end of the country, try mm. to like experience these things. Like, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that. Of course, you find them in like most of these public um, buildings and things. You see them public areas, right. uh, full blown, you know, police state where you are blasting sirens, where you are like stopping, checking people, all those things. Nah, they didn't have all of this. Okay, that gives us that gives us an idea, you know. Uh, say, I mean, if you if you, if one was looking to compare that with perhaps China, for instance. Uh, Oh, yeah, I feel like China um, is more. I feel like China is more of like a surveillance society, you know. Yeah, they, they don't, yeah I didn't see all those things. Yeah. I, I, I didn't okay. See. So my final question, um, yeah, would be, um, I mean, and it's off the back of something that I heard you, you say. I mean, not explicitly, but something that I was able to deduce from you know, um, part of your responses to some of the questions that you know uh, my comrades had popped. You, it seems to me at the sense that I get, you know, and, I, and I'm saying this, maybe I'm trying to turn to AG here as well, um, is that Vietnam is not an out-and-out socialist state in that sense, you know, at, at least not from the economic viewpoint. It would seem to me that what we're talking, I mean, that we're talking about a mixed economy, you know, so, so it's something like... Um, Again, I hate to do this, but with reference to China, um, on the political spectrum, um, a socialist project, but on the economic side, it's 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 a market-based economy. Um, I mean, that's the feeling that I get, and I might I might be wrong. Um, it, but in view of all of, of, of this, you know, it, you know, presume if if, if if assuming that I'm I'm right, in view of this, what would you you know as a visitor say that you know that Nigerian left perhaps you know can learn from you know, the Vietnamese project as perhaps a way of of, of of getting into power. Perhaps maybe the backdrop of, of what I'm talking about um, stems from the kind of critique that somebody like people we got during the last elections, you know, using trying to hijack what is presumably a left platform for, um, if you like, neoliberal politics. Yeah. 
So um, a couple of things I, I saw that I feel like can be like, uh, it could be a rallying point for leftists on the continent and in Nigeria as well. First is that grassroots thing. I think it's, 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 it's grossly missing out in the kind of like mm. leftist parties that we play here. Mm -hmm. Largely because to those, to of course, those that can implement those kind of things have not gone very, very neoliberal now, sadly, um, mm -hmm. because you would expect that parties like the Labour Party, for example, are the ones who will be like at the forefront of these kinds of like grassroots mobilization and trying to like incentivize political education, you know, at the grassroots level, trying to like bring people to like a common, a common goal. But that's not the case right but with the couple of experiences that i saw you know outside there in in vietnam the party right still reigns supreme mm. and the people are still very adherent to like the tenants of the party right and they are still in line with what the party says and they have like so much loyalty to the party especially from like the from like the things that i saw in the rural areas and also the aspects of like the party meetings that i saw you know when i came back to like the city right so this is something that is very largely um very non-existent on this side of the world mm. of course it's going to take so much time for us to like build you know trust you know momentum try to like you know do all of those things within the particular political sphere yeah especially without the war of liberation to make us look good exactly so that's something and again the irony, sorry to interject but the irony if i might, I might add is that you know the 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 the, the parties you know, ideologically that don't even need to us the left have managed to kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's who that's who does <laughs> it more effectively yeah, uh, some recent uh, political science theses have argued. But anyway, yep. So that's 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 on one side. Another thing that I feel like was very very evident in that particular society was there is this consensus on the knowledge of their history and how it defines them today, mm. right? So I don't think anybody in Vietnam is saying, "Oh." what the U.S. did was right, we deserved it, or they should do it again. <laughs> the way the way you find, like, new reactionary elements in Nigeria sometimes try to, like, whitewash, you know, colonialism and, you know, maybe slavery, you know, all of those things. You know, especially when you have, like, folks with, like, very huge platforms trying to, like, rationalize these things. Like, a couple of days ago, there was this very popular pastor that was making rounds when, I don't know if you guys saw, like, the video, when he was trying to like rationalize, you know, uh, you know, he was trying to like draw like a link between Christianity and the kind of development that we have right now. I don't know if you guys saw that video. So, yeah, did. Oh, you did. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Where's so, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chiamguti had like yeah. this large reptile, like he was he was coming for the. Yeah. So yeah. there's this. I feel like as a society, there should be this consensus about our history and how it shapes us today because i feel like we will not make any progress if we can't make like simple concessions like bro imperialism and colonialism was bad 
and we have to like live with that particular truth and move on from it definitely but yeah. we have to make that particular acknowledgement right of course like the vietnamese people have tried to like build like their societies after all of those atrocities that happened to them all of these atrocities are literally less than 50 years ago right mm. when you're talking about like history 50 years is obviously a very very long time but like when you're talking about like history and societal development 50 years is just back here like it's not that much of a long long history right yeah. they've achieved so much in terms of like development of their society in that very very short span of time right but you are not trying to like lecture them about like the things that happened and try to like rationalize all of those things in a way that you want to absolve them of you know the responsibilities they know their own responsibilities as a people but also they don't want you to run away from the guilt of what has been done to them this is like very very crucial right because i feel like this is because societies need like a base upon which they actually um concentrate the efforts to like develop right for the vietnamese society i think the the rallying point for the most of them is this thing has happened to us it's a very bad chapter in our history but we'll move on from it but we'll not forget it mm. because this is the rallying point that shapes us and it's it is the it is the it is the boost that would allow us do things because we don't want the repeat of this particular history right and this is something you see in most of these countries who have made some sort of like progress you know if you look at like china for example if you look at like um north korea if you look at like cuba for example they use this particular aspect of like their history they use it as like a rallying point to like spur themselves into like some kind of like growth you know some kind of like niche growth right so you can't say of course everybody knows that oh the embargo on cuba is like very very bad it's well it's wrong it is not you know it's not legal it is you know very bad you know shutting them off for the world etc of course they're still doing their own things within their own societies trying to like still alleviate like their own people and help their own people you know the giant strides that they've made in things like healthcare you know and how they have persevered this long to actually maintain like their society etc they put in the work right they know they have to put in the work right nigerians know they have to put in the work to actually build like their society but at the same time we cannot deny the fact that this is where it went wrong and for us to actually get it right we have to like keep some things at the back of our mind so we don't make the same mistakes that we made you know earlier we don't make the mistakes that we made so all of those things you know that we might want to like term like indoctrination we want we might want to term like oh uh we're trying to like because people feel like when you talk about all of those things you are trying to like um you are trying to like absorb like the local people of like responsibilities and like their own culpability in all of the things that are happening but no we are saying that this could be like a rallying point for all of us to actually come together to achieve like a common goal right mm -hmm. because this is what happens like in all of these other places as well right the history is known the history is taught so everybody knows that when you get to like certain aspects of like society when you get to like certain posts in society you're not just fumbling the bag you know that this is like the history that we are trying to like preserve you know the occurrence that we are trying not to, re to not to repeat itself but we don't have all of those in nigeria and it's for like obvious reasons right because the current polity it serves like the elite base it serves the elite class the lack of revolutionary consciousness on the part of the people it serves like their own you know selfish interests 
So they're not interested in doing any of those things because of course when people start like interrogating those things is definitely the hammer is going to hammer them as well like the effect mm -hmm. of that is going to trickle down to their own possible demise or to their own possible you know unpopularity in this in the community so that's one thing i feel like nigerian left and african left generally can actually also take you know very good note of i right? i i hear you i hear you um but i but i, I don't know if uh, it's as hot and dry as that. Um, regardless, if we if we go into that, we'll spend. I mean, we'll spend the whole day. Um, my very quick response um, to that would be to say that the Vietnamese history is perhaps a little bit different from the Nigerian history. I, I mean, and, and that's me not wanting to go deep into it. Um, and, and that's where I'd like to sound off, you know, on, on this. Um, I don't know if, if, if Saeed or Oiti has um, anything to add, uh, you know, to, to your last uh, intervention. But I mean, I, I, I think that, it's, I mean, to, to, as a way of response, by way of response, I don't think it's as cut and dry as, as that. Uh, I think that the people who've done the work in Nigeria is, is, is but there's something about the history itself, you know, uh, um, <coughs> the way of this consciousness that, that we speak of. Uh, I guess I, that's where I'd leave it. Yeah. Oh, well, like, what I would just add is that, of course, the, the development of Nigeria and its advancement towards this degradation of revolutionary consciousness. If it was like in Vietnam, there was an, at least there's an upward build to revolutionary consciousness. Nigeria, there's a downward, it's in fact a very steep downward slope towards, you know, the, the destruction, the removal of revolutionary consciousness and all. So that's what makes the contributions of the people of the past that had revolutionary approaches, revolutionary solutions or ways of painting how, you know, we could move in an alternative fashion in the fashion in Nigeria. That's why we barely hear anything from them, you know, and it's all in the material, you know, uh, decline of how Nigeria has gone from the path where we had the hope of getting something concrete and you fast forward 60 something years, you, you, you'll be hard pressed to hear anything about spy mojo anywhere or any of, you know, the uh, revolutionary uh, leaders or even, you know, socialist projects in Nigeria, you know, so that's what I would like in or attributed to, you know, that Vietnam's history is is at least moving towards an upward um, revolutionary cycle and Nigeria has just been declining over the years, you know, so that's what I'll put it, put it on. Well, yeah, I guess I would say um, this, the, all of these contributions are further evidence that we definitely need to do more work to dig out the history of the left and revolution in Africa, and also to engage with ourselves as con contemporary radicals, revolutionaries, etc. Even if um, in sometimes more lighthearted formats, which has been the objective here today. Um, and uh, I think that with the aid of um, this very interesting travel narrative, we have had a bit of a chance to do that. So with that, I would want to say a huge thank you again to Taufik um, 
maybe a final question uh, would be, would you go back to Vietnam? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we, we, the plan is to the plan is to see the plan is to interact with so many cultures as much as possible and yeah. to see how like people are building their lives you know in this particular very very you know because the world can get toxic you know right you can sure. you can get like you can get like very very absorbed like so many you know stories of like the world you know seeing things but i feel like interaction with people literally change like your perspective of the world like when you yeah, see like how when you see like how people in their most ordinary sense you know, build like their societies, you know, what their goals are, what the things that they are doing, what what they hold dear to them as like their own yastic of like success. You know, it kind of like changes your perspective. And you just like when you when you when you because I saw like people there who obviously they were even like these these people, I don't know. I was telling somebody that it's like our own aspiration is too much. Because <laughs> they, they were like the most ordinary people trying to like just live out their lives doing like the most basic thing and it was a very very good atmosphere right mm. you were just there you know trying to like do your thing and just you just appreciate the fact that you are like you know in that particular area at that particular point where you can interact with those kinds of people so i think this is something and i feel like for for us like comrades particularly we need to also like interact more with like people who are not like from our own like domain so we can like see the world you know yeah. from like other perspectives right so because it also engages like our own dogma as well you know it engages like our own uh, what do you call it you know principles you know we see like yeah. contradiction we see like things that support our case we see, we see like things that make us rethink our position and you know it it, it, it is good because it kind of like keeps you on your yeah. feet and you're like okay this is this is something worthwhile and we should keep going on like this Right. So that's how I see it. And you know, just general like interaction with like other people from like other places is always like a very, very win-win situation all the time. So yeah, thank you very much, mm. guys. Very nice. Excellent. Yeah, no, I think Yeah. Agreed. So definitely um come back to the show at some point if you if you'd be happy yeah, to if you go to Cuba. Even yes, either after oh, your next let's trip let's hear, let's hear or even that. before. Oh, hopefully, 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 yeah. we're, we're trying to like see if we can get to Cuba this year. Um, yes. Yeah, because our constraints before has been like, how do we get there at things? But I just realized now that I think there is, uh, what's the name of this guy? Um, Turkish Air now flies to Cuba. I was Cuba. just going to say, yeah, Turkish yeah. Air. So, yeah. nice. If we go there, we we'll definitely will be on this podcast again. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like that would be a lot more interesting experience than even Vietnam. Nah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and now I'll be like very, very particular about like trying to like see things, things to look out for, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, quick, quick one. How long Vietnamese trip? How what? was it? How long was the Vietnamese trip? Oh, um, I traveled via um Ethiopian Air, so you have to get to Addis Ababa first. So mm -hmm. Nigeria's Addis Ababa is like five hours. Mm -hmm. Then you take like a nine hour flight from Addis Ababa to Singapore, then like one hour to Vietnam from Singapore. Yes. So, cumulatively, that's like uh, 15 hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, America, we should still try to stick to our plan of recording this weekend. Don't go to Vietnam yet. Um, I know you're <laughs> 
And they go find cash. Let's go and do some business deals. Um, <laughs> are you guys in Lagos? It's uh, oh, actually, nobody's in Lagos right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Lagos. Oh, Lagos was our initial I, base. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, okay. Just I don't know if any of you like. If any of you guys come around, I, I brought like some. Uh, what do you call it? Like remember, souvenirs, like, right? Souvenirs, yeah, that I could give you guys. So. Oh, sure, that yeah. would be nice, man. I'll be looking for yeah, the, go, um, the red yeah, hold you to that one. Yeah, hold it to you. Let's see if we post souvenir come now. Be... I did tell you. Yeah, so <laughs> go post that. We'll go give you address. Go post that. Yeah, then I wanted to add to like if you have a picture of yourself in the Definitely. list, you use it for a cover for the yeah, or <laughs> any iconic, any iconic, yeah, any iconic place, yeah, yeah images, something like that. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I took one with mm. the whole chipping background, <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah. Nice. that would be nice. Yeah, I would, pr- I would particularly enjoy the one with the um, where Ho Chi Minh against the mall, but yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you 